Hello and welcome to the Plus Podcast. I'm Rachel Thomas. In our science fiction science fact project, we've been asking you to vote for the questions from the frontiers of physics that you'd most like to have answered on Plus. The latest question you voted for is how many dimensions are there? And we've asked theoretical physicist David Berman for his answer, talking to him over a chocolate bar in our busy canteen here in Cambridge. David, we're all used to thinking, most of us can manage to think in three dimensions. One dimension is a line, you can move forwards and backwards. Two dimensions is a tabletop, you can move forwards and backwards and left and right. And three dimensions is the world we're used to, forwards and backwards, left and right, up and down. Um, Is that how many dimensions there are in maths and physics, or are there more? Well, there's... There's definitely more, and you can see one of them at least, and you're very familiar with one, which is time. So um, let's think a bit about what we mean by dimension. So you gave a, a very intuitive feeling about the fact if we live in three dimensions, it's the ways that we can move. But let's think about what it means in terms of giving someone an address. So what you normally do is you, you basically tell them where you are, and in doing that, you specify normally where you are in two dimensions. So you give an address, and you know if it's New York, it's great. It's 35th and 56th Street. It's like how many blocks north and how many blocks east-west, right? So then it, that's simple two-dimensional address. But then New York's another good example. You can be high up or low down, and you've got to give what floor you're on. So you're on the fifth floor, so that's three coordinates, three things that you specified, how far north and south, how far east and west, and how far up. But then supposing you are not telling someone what your address is, but you're arranging a meeting. So then you realize, well, you need to give one more thing, which is the time of the meeting, say three o'clock. And so then you realize you've got four coordinates, which describe any point for an event or a meeting or something and so really we are used to living in four dimensions where the fourth dimension is time and so that's the first thing it's just that we don't tend to clump time with the other spatial things but if you think about it any event at all really happens in a space time with four dimensions and essentially because you, you can give a, you can say where you are in terms of, of the time dimension. Yeah. You might not be able to go yeah. forwards and backwards in time, yeah. like you can go left and yeah. right, but you can specify where you are. Yeah, exactly. That time and, you, and we measure differences in time, just like we measure differences in space. We measure differences in space with a ruler. We measure differences in time with a clock. So uh, anything that you can think of in terms of space, you can also think of in terms of time. So four dimensions is enough? So four dimensions um, of space-time is certainly one thing, but there's there's a sort of lesson to have from this. That our human perceptions of dimension is limited because we only see those three. We don't see time in the same way. We experience it very differently as human beings. So the first, but in what I've described, and I think you know, people can see, oh yeah, time is an extra dimension it's an extra location for any event that it hints at human perceptions of things may not be the end of 
you know, of the story in terms of what's possible. So mathematically, the number of dimensions is really just the number of coordinates you need to give to specify a point somewhere. So um, it's easy to mathematically say, oh, I, I can imagine a space where you know, I need five bits of information, five measurements that will specify that be a five-dimensional space or six or seven. There's no limit. And mathematicians regularly work in, in arbitrarily many dimensions, yeah, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, um, you know, it, in a weird way, uh, we all do when you think of other sorts of things. So, for example, if, if you're a sound mixer making music then you can have 12, 24, 128 tracks and they have a volume on each one so that's really and the volume of each one is saying how loud each one of those tracks is going to be and then it mix it together so that's if you like pointing out, that's changing a point in that whatever it is 24 dimensional space of sound as they move it so really a dimension is just um, or a set of dimensions is just a way of, of specifying a point and it's the number of bits of data that you need to give that point mm. now physically um, physicists historically have looked at whether it's possible to consider uh, more than three spatial dimensions so Einstein combined space with time and that we've already spoken about but then some other people had the idea, in particular two people called Kaluza and Klein, uh, who were very shortly after Einstein, had the idea that it's worth thinking about whether the number of spatial dimensions could be bigger than three. And they had the idea in the following way. Uh, general relativity, which was Einstein's big idea, said that dimensions could be curved. Now we're used to that as well. Think of, we spoke about a two-dimensional thing, but think of the surface of the Earth. That's two-dimensional, and it's curved, and so we specify longitude and latitude, but indeed you sort of come back to yourself. The, the coordinates are periodic, so you can go 360 years round the Earth. Um, and that's obviously, that's fine, that's a two-dimensional surface inside a you know, three-dimensional space. They said, well, if we can have real space, physical space itself curved, couldn't it be curved like the surface of the Earth or, or like any, like a circle, so that you can come back on yourself? So the dimensions don't go on forever, as we imagine, off in space, just go on forever. But there could be just space, this dimension of space itself could be curved, and it could be curved so much that it comes back on itself like a circle. Well, you think, well, that sounds good, a bit weird. You sort of go off in space in your rocket ship and then come back on yourself. And you say, well, that doesn't seem likely. Uh, and why wouldn't we see these dimensions? But then you think, well, how big can the circle be? And what if the circle was, say, a hundredth, a thousandth the, uh, the size of an atom? Well, that's so small, you wouldn't notice so much. And, and this is like when I'm giving an address uh, in two dimensions if my house is one step up 
I don't normally specify that because it won't really be noticed if they're traveling three miles one way, one mile another way. You don't go, and then you come to the house and it's one centimeter above the ground because of some tiny steps. It's irrelevant to the big picture of wherever. So the, the idea of clues to climb is that you could have extra dimensions. They have one extra dimension. But the, that dimension will be curled up into a circle. And the radius of that circle will be so small, it'd be smaller than any other scale that was around. So you wouldn't notice it. Now, then, then you start to get into things. Well, why introduce it in the first place if you can never notice it? So, it, it still, they showed, using general relativity, that it still had an effect in the ordinary space around us. And in particular, the effect is that gravity in that five-dimensional space-time looked like from the effective the, the, the people who are big and really only saw three space and one time dimension the effect of gravity in that extra dimension actually looked like electromagnetism so um, we see gravity and electromagnetism in our space and what Kluser and Klein sort of showed is that actually it could be um, just gravity in five dimensions where the fifth dimension is very small and what we see as being electromagnetism is actually the effect of five-dimensional gravity. And then little things like um, the radius of this extra dimension was related to the electric charge and the charge quantization, which we see in the universe, is a consequence of, um, well, sort of combining quantum mechanics with this, and the quantization of momentum of things moving in that extra dimension. So in other words, things that are charged under electromagnetism in this Kaluza-Klein version are just things that are moving in the fifth direction. So going around the very yeah. tightly curled. Yeah, going around that circle. So you don't see the move in our dimensions, but they're in there. And then you can ask yourself how, also how a charge in anti-charge produces a neutral thing, because you've got one thing moving one way, one thing moving the other way, and then when they hit, their momentum cancels, and then they don't move anymore in that direction, and then they're neutral. So was that accepted? That People thought they were mad. Um, Einstein discouraged them from publishing... Um, it just seemed remarkable. I mean, it was a mathematical oddity. It was mathematically true, but it seemed very strange. So, there was certainly nothing forbidding it, though. Uh, so, so we potentially have four-dimensional space and well, one dimension with an extra-dimensional time making five. So that, so that was in so that was in the 1920s, and the idea was looked at quite seriously. And it had the advantage that it seemed to unify electromagnetism and gravity into one thing. But then people saw there were more forces in nature than electromagnetism, and they wanted to unify that, and they tried that, and that got somewhere. But that needed more dimensions. And then, well, along came string theory in the 1980s. 
uh, string theory was a bit before then, but in the 1980s it became realized as a theory of a quantum theory of gravity. And it had one very unique thing which no theory before has ever had, which it predicts the number of dimensions of space and time. And in the superstring theory it says the answer is 10. Now, some people have taken this to be a criticism of string theory because uh, if it predicts 10 and then they look around for space-time and they go, well, where are the other six dimensions? Um, but then, of course, that just fitted in with this old Kaluza-Klein idea that, yes, there can be extra dimensions and they're small, and now we have a reason for why we should think that they're there, in the, is that the mathematical consistency of string theory requires extra dimensions. So could you give us an, uh, a brief idea of what string theory is and how uh, you're allowed to finish a piece of chocolate? <laughs> okay, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, string theory is just the idea that the fundamental building blocks of nature are string-like, not point-like. It's really that simple. But it has enormous consequences in terms of its consistency. And one of those consequences, it says, where these little bits of string live has to have a certain number of dimensions. It doesn't require them to be curled up or not. That's not part of it. It just requires there to be a certain number of them. And then you've got a problem. String theory requires there to be a certain number. We observe only three spatial dimensions. Therefore, we need to solve that problem. And then you say, well, Kaluza and Klein already solved that problem. They curled them up. But string theory actually doesn't tell you at all why they're curled up. And that's one of the great puzzles of string theory. So, can you get evidence for string theory then to... How can you get evidence for the number of dimensions that string theory predicts then? Um, can we ever observe extra dimensions? I assume by that you mean experimentally. Yeah. In principle, yes. In practice, it depends on how small they really are. And I'm not sure I can tell you how small they really are. Because there could be various possibilities. So people at LHC have been looking for signatures of extra dimensions. So, in principle, yes. In practice, it depends on how small they really are. What are the implications? What, are the, what would a signature look like? What would the implication of an extra dimension be on our three-dimensional space that we might yeah. be able to see? Um, well, there's, a, there's some very simple things. Um, so, the forces between two charged objects or between two massive objects goes as famously the inverse square law. Newton did that. Um, between two gravitational bodies, F equals GMM over R squared, between two charged bodies, uh, Q squared over 4 pi epsilon naught, R squared. It's always like 1 over R squared. Right? That 1 over R squared is tied to three spatial dimensions. If you are in D dimensions, okay, then the force between two objects goes like D spatial dimensions goes like D minus 1 so we're in three dimensions 
like as an R squared. Right. Do you mean that you'd have R to the power of D minus 1? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got all 1 over it, obviously. Yeah. So in three dimensions, the... It's 1 over R squared. squared. In five dimensions... Well, let's see. It's, I'm, it's always whether I'm including time in this. is always yeah. So I'm just including space dimensions. So in nine dimensions, spatial dimensions, it'd be 1 over R to the 8. So they have set up, uh, they look for deviances from the 1 over R squared law. Now, it, it's very hard to do those sorts of experiments um, because the point is you should do them at distances which are incredibly small. So, because, I mean, that 1 over R to the D minus 1 is, um, is when the space is sort of flat and infinite dimensional. So then, when, when one of the dimensions is curled up, then when you're at separations bigger than the curled up dimensions, it looks like the dimension less. And when you're at things much smaller than that, then it looks like that law. And in between, it interpolates. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's like a transition. Yeah, so you're, from yeah, one so to you're, the trans, other. you're transforming, say, from 1 over r squared to 1 over r to the 8. Yeah. And where that transition occurs is that scale. So you need to be, you need to have things that are close. But yeah, in principle, forces will change as you approach that scale. And so even if you couldn't bring balances together and measure them, when you do scattering experiments, like they do at LHC at very high energies, then you could, in principle, because the forces of interaction are different, you could see different things. And do you think? Um, this is because this is this is very this is at the cutting edge of you know yeah, this research. True, yeah. Do you think you know we we feel like so particle physicists? There's the discovery recently of a Higgs, Higgs boson like. Yeah. I've been told I have to always say like Higgs boson like. Higgs is fine. Higgs boson, um, which isn't it? Which kind of. Uh, really fills out a picture of particle physics as it's understood yeah. at the moment. Whereas when Higgs predicted it in the 60s, it was still a mathematical prediction, yeah. not yeah. an experimental one. So given we're now at the stage of a mathematical prediction of the number of dimensions yeah. and string theory, do you, can you see in 50 years' time... Yes, I can. I mean, this, this is something I'd like to emphasize. Yeah, it's been 50 years since Higgs, roughly, let's say, mm -hmm. since Higgs... Uh, thought of, of the Higgs particle that's 50 years I mean you know and, uh, and eventually found it I think we must realise that as we progress in science and physics is now probably the oldest science in some sense the time scales between experimental discovery and theoretical you know, postulation are going to get quite long um, I, it's certainly not out of the realms of the possibility that they'll have experimental evidence for extra dimensions using colliders but it may come through very different things also um, I think with LHC which is the current collider at CERN it could be that we're reaching the end of that sort of type of collider physics they could maybe do one more but you know experimentalists are clever, they'll come up with other ways so there, there are cosmic rays which are much higher energies, although their luminosities are too small but maybe there's ways to extract information from those 
there's a huge hope in cosmology as we get to more and more detailed cosmology that we could then learn about all sorts of things in physics. So I, I, I don't want to say just because in the current generation of collider physics it doesn't seem hopeful, but not out of the realms of possibility, that it won't ever be found. I think that would be like people saying when LEP, the previous collider, didn't find it, oh, we won't find the Higgs, or, you know. Um, I think taking 50 years to find something as profound as extra dimensions is neither here nor there and when you consider you know humanity has only been messing around with experiments for a few thousand years but the earth has been around for a billion or so so you know um, I think we've made remarkable progress in a few thousand years so it will be worth the wait <laughs> I think I, th- I think being aware that we live in more dimensions than we see is is a great prediction of theoretical physics and also something quite profound that actually physics tells us again and again that our perceptions of nature as a human being are not how nature is not how nature is and extra dimensions is one of the biggest things of that because your brains are evolved to work in three you can't imagine four you can't get close to any of it and yet it's mathematically through maths we can imagine more dimensions and the fact that that might be realized in nature is a profound thing so that's david's answer string theory predicts there are 10 dimensions nine space dimensions and one time dimension and with a little patience we just might catch a glimpse of them at the lhc or a future experiment you can read the article that accompanies this podcast and much more at the plus website plus.maths.org And if you click on the science fiction science fact link on the right hand side, you'll be able to vote for the next question you'd like answered in this project. That's it for this plus podcast. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.